Welcome to episode 18 of Night Shift as the London Knights keep firing along. They are now atop the Midwest Division. We'll get to that. They are one point behind the Saginaw Spirit for first place in the Western Conference. They've got the best winning percentage in the Western Conference. We'll talk about streaks. Lots coming up. The teddy bear toss is coming up on Tuesday, uh, December the 6th. So... That's something that we're going to tell some stories about. And you're also going to find out more about an OHL power play than maybe you've ever thought necessary. That's later in the show. My name is Mike Stubbs with Kyle Grimard. You can find Kyle on social at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. You can find me at Stubbs980, two Bs and Stubbs. And you can find the show. Thanks for doing that. But tell your friends, tell other people who might be Knights fans, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and of course at 980cfpl.ca and globalnews.ca. Kyle, here we go. Two close games from the weekend. The Knights beat the Niagara Ice Dogs on home ice 2-1 on Friday night and then held on to beat the Mississauga Steelheads 5-4 on Sunday. But I have the calculator out because these numbers are getting big. The winning streak is, let me put this out, almost need more than two hands, eight games, and they've won 12 of 13. It, it really is incredible, Mike. And again, I, I am going to keep going back to this well. At the start of the season, the Knights had won. They were one of the last teams to win their first game of the year. And there were a lot of people, whether it was other broadcasters, commentators, individuals who are part of the organizations, would ask you, Mike, are you worried about the Knights? And you go, listen, let's relax. Let's let the Hunters do their thing. Let's let the Knights do their thing and see if their young players can come into themselves and maybe pull this thing around and... Lo and behold, eight straight wins. Uh, they have just been on an absolute tear. They are getting contributions from just about everybody, including their backup goaltender who made, what is it, 42 stops in Mississauga on the road in the second game on the weekend. And just, you know, it's it's been fun to watch this team really turn things around. And um, a guy I want to shout out, Mike, uh, Ruslan Gazazov, who I believe has a point streak now up to six games. He is a guy who, at the beginning of the season, was one of the, players who the Knights really would like to have, you know, come on earlier, but now he's contributing and it just adds another element to this roster. You mentioned a great name and we're going to talk about Isaiah George too, but let's talk Ruslan Gazazov for a second, simply because Ruslan Gazazov is a guy who has that playmaker's mind. There was a power play last year. It was a game where he had three assists. And he was finding people with passes that you would think he can't put it through all that stuff and it would go through right onto the tape. That's his mind. But the Knights have been stressing to him, you know what? It's okay to shoot. And when you get that opportunity to shoot, do it because you've got such a quick release. You've got such an accurate shot. And I think it's taken a little while for Ruslan Gazazov to do that, but it changes the way that other teams have to play him. He's not that pass-first guy right now. He is putting pucks at the net, and because of that, he's putting pucks into the net. In Mississauga, he scored the first two goals of the game, and one of them was on a three-way passing play where Ruslan might have looked to pass it one more time, believe it or not, in the past, but here he was, he got it in the slot and he buried it. And that is such a big part of any team's success, finding different guys 
on different days. The line of George Diakil and Denver Barkey and Easton Cowan was reunited yesterday. Mississauga did a really good job against them, but you've got Brody Crane and you've got Sean McGurn. You've got Ruslan Gazazov who played together and they found a way to put pucks into the net. Crane, a goal and three assists. Uh, McGurn was on the board again. So it's about finding different people every game and the Knights have done it. You can say, hey, we don't necessarily have big-time superstars on this team who are going to be recording 150 points in a single season, we're going to do it by committee. And it's really easy, Kyle, to say, yeah, no, 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 we'll, we'll just, everybody will share the load. But what if everybody doesn't? Right now, that's truly happening on the nights. Yeah, and, it, you know, it's it it honestly makes it even more difficult to defend, too, because when a team looks at, you know, the drawing board going into a contest, you look and you circle one or two guys' names on the team, and you go, okay, if we shut down these two, we got a pretty good chance of winning. Well, when you go to the Knights lineup sheet, you're circling five, six guys, and you're a coaching staff going, okay, we can't shut all of them down. We haven't even talked about the back end yet, the blue line, which Oliver Bonk has been uh, incredible. Logan Mayu scored again yesterday, and... All of a sudden, you're up to almost double-digit players who you're circling going, okay, we, we got to find a way to stop them all at the same time in the same game and find a way to counterpunch them in ourselves. So the Knights are doing a tremendous job. You've also pointed out here on our sheet, Mike, the Knights are 11-2 on the row. Going into another team's barn, the Knights have won 11 of 13 games, which is all, all the more impressive. It is. And the the numbers like that, I think if you're not a Knights fan right now, you don't like hearing these numbers, but they're putting these up. Knights are 11 and two on the road. They have 12 wins in their last 13. They're winning close games. It would have been easy to lose to Niagara. It would have been easy to lose in Mississauga, but they found ways to do it. Zach Bowen and Brett Brochu were excellent this weekend. How big was Brett Brochu against Niagara on Friday? And then Zach Bowen follows that up on Sunday. So to be able to share the goaltending load in that way over a weekend, that's big considering the Knights are in the midst of still a busy part of their schedule. The game against Oshawa will be their sixth in 10 days. So you want to do that. And Kyle, you brought up Isaiah George on Friday night and we talk a lot about guys who are putting pucks into nets or creating offense Isaiah George you mentioned him on after the buzzer and make sure if you're driving home from a night's game you check that out because Kyle takes us through the entire game on Friday nights on 980 CFPL and we recap it but you mentioned Isaiah George he started the year injured and when you return to the lineup you always think okay you know bang this guy's right back and it takes a little while to get up to speed. And Isaiah George is not only up to speed. Owen Beck, who is a Montreal Canadiens draft pick, he hung around Montreal Canadiens training camp for a long time to the point you had the media in Montreal asking, is he going to make the team? He was that close. And he ended up being returned to Mississauga. He's a great player. He comes flying down the right side of the ice on Sunday afternoon. And Isaiah George just takes the puck away. He came to the blue line. George stepped up, take the, took the puck away, didn't even have to take the body, and started back the other way. Little things like that that he does. His ability to get pucks out of trouble was great as a rookie. It's even better now. And for the things that we talk about that create numbers and points and streaks, he's doing the things that you don't see on the stat sheet, but they still create numbers and points and streaks. 
It, it really is impressive to watch. And he does it so calmly, so smoothly, so uh, nonchalantly is a perfect word for it. It's like an NFL lineman in a, in a football game. When you don't hear their name, it's often a good thing because it means they're doing their job. You don't ever hear Isaiah George's name outside of when he does come on the score sheet. But anytime defending, you don't hear it a whole lot because the puck's never in the night's end. He's always stripping it. He's out skating guys. He gets it out. His one-touch passes are as good as anyone on the team. And then he's also got that offensive ability, but he's so sound defensively and he's so responsible that, you know, he does just an amazing job and he's been partnered with just about everybody on that back end. I've seen him paired up with Logan Mayu. I've seen him paired up with Oliver Bonk earlier in the season. He was paired with Bryce Montgomery, other defenders who have played the right side with him. He's just, he meshes with anybody and he's just so clean and smooth in whatever he's doing, whether it's defending uh, an odd man rush or getting the puck out of his zone smoothly and efficiently. He's just, he's a lot of fun to watch. And if, if you've ever gone to a Knights game and you're like, oh, I didn't really go focus on number four in the London Knights. He's, he's an absolute joy to watch. Absolutely. And we've also got to point out Connor Federkow, the versatility that Isaiah George has is big, but versatility, so key. So key. And guys getting to the next level, if you can be versatile, you know, if you can do a whole bunch of different things, it makes you so valuable in junior. Connor Federkow was moved up to forward and then ended up on defense on Sunday because Ethan McKinnon is out with an injury. The Knights are dealing with some injuries right now. You have Ben Bajol who's out. You've got Ethan McKinnon who is out. Ryan Del Monte's out. Max McHugh is out. These are key veterans Abakar Kazbekov returned from injury, so that was good. But Jackson Edward is serving an automatic two-game suspension for a slew-footing penalty late in the game against Niagara. So Connor Federkow dropped back on defense. We actually had a chance to ask him, now that he's played a little forward and a little defense, some of the differences between playing those two positions. Going from D to forward, there's a lot more skating and breathing and everything. It's a, it's a different story up there. So how long did it take for you to feel comfortable i say a good uh a good week or two uh to get like used to it because it's definitely a lot of skating uh you're going all over the place so just going back and forth uh but you're all in the ozone you're all in the defensive zone so it's a it took a couple weeks but then then i finally got used to it well not only are you getting used to it i mean you went to the net once and you deflect one in off the backhand i mean that, that's not easy no, no definitely not but uh yeah, it was a great feeling when that happened, but uh, it's been real good lately. So the conditioning has to be up. That's Connor Federkow when you're playing forward. A lot more skating, but there is there is that thinking and reacting part of playing defense. And him being able to do both, there are so many great players going back through Knights history. Tyler Ferry could do this on the back-to-back -back championship teams that the Knights had in 2012 and 2013. Rick Stedman used to do this. Yep. You have to have people who can drop back and do it effectively. And the other player we can mention before we get to some teddy bear toss stories and a few other things, the other player we can mention, Kyle, is Jacob Julian because now he is an official member of of the London Knights. And what a tremendous story Jacob Julian happens to be. Jacob Julian scored his first OHL goal on Friday night. Kyle, it actually took him two tries. Yeah, you know, the first one he actually deflected in. Uh, of course, the Hunters of all people. Power play goes out, and who comes over the boards but Jacob Julian on one of the power play units. Tips a puck high, goes low and in the net. Refs wave it off. They go to review. It ends up being a high stick, no goal. 
super big bummer for, for a player who's looking to make an impact and the coaching staff throws you out on a power play. Later on, tie game, third period, Jacob Julian hard on the four check behind the net of the Niagara Ice Dogs, forces a turnover, forces a puck to get centered in front, goes off escape and between the legs of the netminder. And just like that, hard work pays off. He gets his second crack and his first career goal in the Ontario Hockey League. And you want to talk about hard work. Here's the really cool story that Jacob Julian has. That game where he scored his first goal was only his fourth OHL game. So he played for the London Junior Knights, and then he ended up playing a year with the Chatham-Kent Cyclones because he wasn't selected in the OHL priority selection. And then the U18 priority selection came up in 2021, and the Knights selected him. And that allowed him kind of a, an entry point to Knights training camp. But still, he played all of last year with the London Nationals, had a really strong year, was a point-per-game player in the playoffs for the Nationals. And then this year, started with the Nationals again after having a, a pretty good training camp. But the Knights started to bring him up and put him into some home games. He was also balancing a full course load at Western while all of this was going on, taking engineering courses. And so Jacob Julian now has the opportunity to be a full-fledged London Knight. And here's somebody who, when he gets the puck, makes a quick decision and makes a good decision all the time. He's got really good size and is just one of those players that the under-18 priority selection was designed for. This is for players who may not be selected to then have a second crack at an entry point into the OHL. Maybe something, you know, an injury hampers you through your draft year or, you know, you just don't have your best season, whatever it is, your game is just coming along. This gives you that entry point. He has taken advantage of it. So congratulations to Jacob Julian and welcome to the London Knights. And here he is talking about his year to this point. Yeah, it was great. Great learning experience. Got off to a strong start. So, I mean, just kept it rolling and kept it going throughout the games I played there. And then you start playing some games here. So tell us about that transition. What was the first one like? Oh, it was definitely a much faster pace, uh, something I had to adapt to, but we're learning and figuring it out right now. And then things keep going, and let's go back to Friday night. You score not one, but two goals. The first one is on a power play, and you knock the puck out of the air. Did you think there was a chance that that would count, or did you know pretty much, yeah, I got that one a little high? Uh, I thought it was close. I thought, I thought it was a good goal, but, I mean, it got rolled back, so... No, no big queries. And then, later in the game, let's go through. What was it that you saw? What happened when the goal went in and this one counted? Yeah, it was just a great forecheck. Just threw it out on net and went in. So, just started celebrating with the guys. <laughs> now, sometimes you get a puck in behind the net and you're looking to make a play. You're looking to do something with it. What told you, eh, maybe this has a chance. Let's make something happen. I mean, I, I saw he was a bit off his post, so... Just decided to throw it there, and it worked out for me. So, Are you a guy who finds that where you can look at a situation and boom, you, you can recognize things? I mean, yeah, I was just kind of like, it was like worst case scenario, it just goes to the other side. So I just went for it. Talk to us a little bit about the the entire situation that, that you know that you've been in you've you've done some courses in engineering you've got all kinds of options everywhere what would be the dream for you what 
if, if you could say, all right, here's something I'd love to do in my life, is there one thing yet? Uh, probably become a professional hockey player. I mean, that's uh, pretty much everyone's goal. All right, well, you're in the right spot. Good luck. Thank you. Jacob Julian of the London Knights, who now Kyle gets a chance to play in his second straight teddy bear toss game. Mississauga played their teddy bear toss game on Sunday. The Knights host theirs Tuesday, December 6th. So depending on when you are listening to this podcast, it might even be teddy bear toss night against the Oshawa Generals. And it's toned down a little bit for the Knights this year. Kyle, if we go back to 2019, that was before a lot of restrictions that were in place last year that kind of made teddy bear tosses a little more sparse than normal. But if we go back to 2019, the London Knights were involved in their own teddy bear toss, and then seven of the other 19 on the road. It was almost like teams saw, hey, the London Knights are coming to town. People like to see us play them. Uh, Teddy bear toss, let's do that. And that's what they did. They went through eight total. Teddy bear tosses that year. So a little quieter this year, but the London one always brings out all kinds of support for the Salvation Army. So if you're headed to the game, please don't remember, don't forget to bring your bears or your stuffed toys, put them in bags or plastic wrap. That's one thing that the Salvation Army asks for. So if you could do that and if you want to tack in hats, mitts, whatever, all of that is always greatly appreciated. And, you know, Mike, you've worked a lot of Knights games as well. And, I, you know, I remember going back a couple of years and, and just the excitement that gets. First of all, how great would it be if Jacob Julian was the one that scored the teddy bear toss goal in London? Like the story just come in full circle for him. But, you know, it's uh, the fan base and, and the crowd and everyone. They always want that goal in the first period. They want it to be the first goal of the game. They want those teddy bears early. That's not often the case. And there have actually been a few circumstances where the Knights have Gone through games where first period's come and gone. Second period, come and gone, and never gets a little nervous on their end. Yeah, yeah, it does happen that way. I remember Rob Shrimp, when he was playing during a teddy bear toss game, I think Rob Shrimp had eight shots in the first period. Ultimately, though, ultimately, Rob Shrimp ended up with the teddy bear toss goal that year, came in the second period, and then about 6,000 bears rained down. But there was the year before that, and this is one of the reasons why we now have teddy bear toss rules. So the year before that, the Knights were going after the record for best start, longest undefeated streak to start a season. And they were playing the Guelph Storm. Adam Dennis was in net, and Adam Dennis kind of made the decision, uh, I'm not letting a goal in. And Ryan McDonald was playing at the other end of the ice for the Knights, and he decided, well, neither am I. And no goaltender did, and there was no shootout. So this game went through regulation and overtime, 0-0, and no one knew when to throw the Bears. It was strange. Some of them came down kind of at one of the last whistles in the third period, and then a little bit of a delay. And then at the end of regulation, people threw them. And we had a total of 6,966 Bears that year. So there was a lot to do, and no one quite knew when to do it. So now the rule is... If there has been no goal by the home team and you're at the halfway mark of the third period, the promotional timeout, you'll get some instruction to throw the Bears. And the most famous example of that happens to be Mikey DiPietro, who played for the Windsor Spitfires and the Ottawa 67s. He was playing for Windsor and Windsor, kind of like the London Knights, good draw on the road. So they were going on a northern swing and they were playing in Barrie. They were playing in Sudbury, 
and they were playing in North Bay. And he went shutout, shutout, shutout in all of those games. Three consecutive shutouts. He made 64 saves in a row and spoiled the teddy bear toss for all of those cities. He was so good that year. That team in general was so He was electric and lights out. And for a goaltender to do it not once, not twice, but three times on the road, just it says a lot about who he was as a goaltender in this league and just the parody of the Ontario Hockey League. The one time you need just a goal from your team to get the teddy bear toss and a goalie as hot as Mikey DiPietro comes in and spoils it. Just a, just a masterclass by him. I I vividly remember that year, but I can only imagine someone following it maybe a little closer back then was just in awe of what he did. Well, the Knights record is 10,671. That was set in 2012 when Seth Griffith scored. And we actually walked into Mississauga yesterday and somebody was remembering back to the Mississauga game that same year that was played between the Knights and the Steelheads in Mississauga because they had their teddy bear toss on that day. And that was the day that the Knights and the Steelheads went to a 20 round shootout. So that was the day, and I don't, were they the Steelheads then? I don't know that they were. I'll just say it different. Yeah. That was the day that the Knights and Mississauga went to a 20-round shootout, and Seth Griffith, who just seemed to do everything that year, the Knights, you know, and, and the year after that, the Knights had a 24-game win streak the next year, and Seth Griffith, I don't know how many overtime goals he got to keep that streak going, but I think it was more than one. But a 20-round shootout. So think about this. You're tied at the end of regulation. You're tied at the end of overtime. And the coaches start sending out players in the shootout. And it goes beyond three. And then it goes four, five, and six. And then you're looking down the bench. And all right, you go, you go, you go. Next thing you know, you've had 13 shooters go. And you're starting to think, I don't know if anybody here has ever really succeeded in a shootout. Now, we're left with defensemen, uh, defensive players. All right, you guys go, you guys go. And eventually, I think it was Tommy Hughes was the last shooter for the London Knights. He was in the 20th round, and he either scored to keep it going or was stopped. I can't remember which one. And then no one really knew what to do next. But it turns out in the rules, Dale Hunter knew, you put out anybody that you want. You can start over again. So Seth Griffith had taken the first shot and had actually scored, and he went out again and ended up scoring the winner. 20 <laughs> One or 20 rounds long. It, insane stuff. Oh, my gosh. I just I can't imagine all that anticipation boiling down and you're that deep into a, a shootout. And uh, Seth Griffiths was such a special player for this team. I remember being in attendance for a game and it, the Knights, you knew they were going to win it. And Seth Griffith was just a mastermind behind uh, some of the plays. And he ended up finishing the game, I think, with two goals and four assists. But that's the guy. That's the guy at the time you go to. And again, I'm genuinely curious this year who's going to be the guy for the London Knights this season if, in fact, they get a teddy bear toss goal. That's what they have to get first. The record in the CHL, in case in London we're trying to beat this, is 29,935. That's the Calgary Hitmen. The yep. world record, I don't know how you touch this. The Hershey Bears set a record and then broke it. They've just fallen in love with the teddy bear toss. 52,341 stuffed animals 
were collected. Some of them were tossed. Not all of them were tossed. Believe it or not, some of them were just collected by arena staff because I don't know how long it would take to pick up 52,341. I think we have, if we had the Budweiser Gardens crew, they still do the most efficient job. It's amazing to see the strategy. Sometimes teams, especially when they started doing it the first time, they had no strategy. You'd have one person out there going around trying to pick up a thousand bears and then they'd realize we better get another person out there. And then so two people would be doing it. It would take forever. Budweiser Gardens, if you're going to a teddy bear toss there, either for the game against Oshawa or in the future, watch the strategy of picking it up. They get the big bins out. They get the trucks out from Finch. They get all of these things in place and the players help. Now, the players do always pile up some bears and stuffed toys and jump in the middle of them. And there are pictures taken, but they still do this so efficiently. I bet it'll be under 10 minutes, even with seven, 8,000, 9,000 bears. Well, listen, they do a really good job. And I do the in-game hostings. I'm out there on the ice, Mike, I'm picking up bears. I'm, I'm tossing them into the trucks and bins and all oh, they, uh, all the volunteers and all the staff with the uh, London Knights organization, they are well-prepared for this night. They do an immaculate job setting up and they have a lot of people. It'll be all hands on deck when that game gets going against generals uh, on Tuesday. So it's, it's, it's going to be an absolute blast. How do you avoid getting hit Kyle? Because you're out there and the goalies can hide in the nets. The players are wearing helmets. That's just you. Uh, honestly, your head's on a swivel. You are constantly <laughs> on a swivel looking. And uh, if I said I've never gotten hit before, Mike, I'd be lying to you because you absolutely get hit every now and then. But the nice thing is they are soft. They're plush. It doesn't hurt. You get the odd life-size one that catches you and you stumble a little bit, but uh, you just, you're always looking out, your head's on a swivel and no one's intentionally trying to hit you. So it's, uh, you just, you, it comes with the territory when you're out there on, on ice level, you just got to be alert for all the bears flying from the, from the stands. <laughs> We've got one more thing we can do. We can sit down in a master class on a power play. You ready for this? Yes. Yes. Let's do it. All right. Dylan Hunter is going to help us out. We may do this on the podcast a little bit more. We'll do some coaching master class because when you look at a power play, and the Knights have had some pretty good success on their power play, they didn't get a single power play opportunity against Mississauga, but they were ready just in case they did because teams have started to do some different things on the penalty kill against the Knights. And so if you want to look at a power play and you want to understand what's going on, a lot of times it can seem the Knights use kind of a, an umbrella formation right now where you've got three guys that are usually close to the blue line or on you can call it the half wall. You can call it the flank. You Just the side boards in the offensive zone. And fans sometimes get frustrated watching teams move the puck back and forth. And you'll hear somebody yellow, just shoot, because of that frustration. Well, here's a little sneak in behind the scenes of what the guys are actually looking for. Dylan Hunter is going to take us through some technical stuff right now as to what anybody who is working the flank, so the sideboard, the half board, on the power play, is looking at and he's going to use a couple of terms he's going to be talking about layers so picture if the zone was layered you have the in front of the net you have the slot which would be a layer and then you have the area just inside the blue line that would be another layer and how teams are defending that you're also going to hear him use the terms f1 and f2 so in terms of coaching you don't tend to use center left wing right wing that's not what the guys are they wind up being forwards so the the one closest to the puck is f1 
The one next closest to the puck is F2, and the other forward is F3. And they can interchange. The players have to read as things are going along through the course of a game. So when you hear Dylan talking about F1, if you picture a guy controlling the puck, maybe on the right side of the offensive zone on the power play, the forward closest to him, that's the F1. He's actually going to be looking and reading off F2, almost like a quarterback reads off a safety. So here is Dylan Hunter explaining what players are looking for when they are trying to create opportunities on the power play. You're trying to look through layers. We call it the second layer and depth. So you're trying to find if you're the flank, we like moving it from flank to flank because that moves your layered penalty kill either out and back. And you're trying to beat the guys when they when you go from side to side. When the penalty kill changes, you're hopefully trying to get guys out of position, which would be the second layer of the penalty kill. So those layers would be the guys closest to the net and then the next layer closer to the blue line? Yeah, yeah. I mean, usually the fours, the D are pretty, they don't change much. Um, you either have some big D that stay by the net and they can they block, or you have aggressive D that come out to outside the dots. Like our D will play outside the dots. We're more, more agile, not as much shot blockers. But uh, as a penalty kill, mostly you have the, their F1, which is the strong side. They'll cut our half wall. So when you try to get it through the cut, you're trying to read where the F2, which is in the slot. So okay. you're trying to read if the F2 is high, and cheating out for the pass or if he's low for the for the slot and so when we tell our guys to look through the f1 means don't worry about the guy pressuring you because he does everything the same anyways you're trying to read where the f2 is if he's low or high and then you have to go from there so it's the two forwards that are creating the layers yeah the two forwards are what the layers are the d generally stay the same the forwards you know you have some guys that are passive some are aggressive and that's where the intricacy of the penalty kill is is through the forwards and it depends if they're fast or big or old or young and, and it changes from there and you're just trying to catch one maybe coming a little too far over to send the puck across for a one-timer or yeah yeah you're trying to you're try, you know sometimes you guys you can have an f1 aggressive but like in missy their f2 is the aggressive one um he's trying to really keep the puck on one side so you're trying to drag him out of position as much as you can but it changes sometimes he's there and sometimes he isn't and we tell our guys a good flank guy can read that, you know, so we give them guidelines to see uh, hash marks above the hash marks, below the hash marks. But again, it's up to them when they're out there, they make the reads. Dylan Hunter with the master class on the power play. So that's the way that players will try and read. What am I going to do? And you're looking at where that guy is on the ice. So when they seem to reset things, it's because that player, the defender, did a really good job. He didn't move. They didn't get him out of position. So now they've got to go back and they got to kind of set it up again and try and get that guy to move either too far down or too far up. And next thing you know, you've got an opportunity or you're looking for a, a two-on-one opportunity somewhere on the ice, and you take advantage of that, and you create your scoring chances. Now, of course, like we said, Kyle, the Knights have to get a power play. They didn't have one against Mississauga. <laughs> we'll see what happens against the Oshawa Generals. Always fun listening to Diller Hunter go into the into the X's and O's and, and the way his mindset works and trying to orchestrate and configure a power play and decipher a penalty kill unit and how to best exploit it it just it really is interesting to listen to and go back on and you just you, you think it's not just about putting five guys on the ice and hoping they put the puck in the net there is a lot that goes into the process so i i love listening i hope we do more with him all right more master classes coming up knights and generals teddy bear toss game kyle thanks for this we'll talk later in the week yeah sounds good mike we'll see you later and uh go knights go